What's up, Connect? Merry Christmas. Uh, I just want to say I love Christmas. Uh, maybe not as much as the guy in my neighborhood who's got the lights plastering his entire house, but I do love Christmas. Um, in fact, this whole series is dedicated to songs from Christmas, songs of the Savior, different carols, classic carols uh, that really we all enjoy, but sometimes we don't know what's really going on there. Um, I remember one time years ago when I was listening to a famous author and orator, Max Lucado, incredible, incredible author, but also a really good orator. And he was doing one of his orations about the Christmas story taken from Luke chapter 2. At the end of this particular Christmas story, he would pause and then he would just kind of let the band play the song. And I can remember looking over after listening to him speak and seeing this woman pop up out of her chair, begin to raise her hands and worship to this Christmas song. And I thought, you know, what is she doing? I mean, this it's a Christmas carol and here she is worshiping God. And I began to think, you know what? Uh, maybe that's the right thing and the appropriate thing to do. Oftentimes, you and I, we don't think about the songs we're singing, the words that are coming out of our mouth. I remember as a young boy, um, you know, and my sister, around Christmas time, we'd sing certain songs, and I can't remember the whole song, but the song line went, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem, and crown him Lord of all. But my sister, she sang it totally differently, because she heard it differently, and she used to sing, let angels prostrate fall. Well, that's not what we should be singing. She didn't get it right. We have uh, a close and dear friend in our life, and I won't mention any names, but he's the leader of the worship team. And he, when he was a young man, didn't speak English. And when he was in Brazil, he would sing, you know, uh, with his top down on his car, girls just want to have fun, you know? And he's going on, girls just want to have fun. Well, anyway, he didn't know what he was singing. You know, my daughters, when they got older, they'd play church in our house and everybody would kind of line up and Mallory would begin to preach and before she preached though they'd have worship and they'd sing of course the song every church person sings Lord I lift your name on high you came from heaven to earth to show the way you know or you came from heaven to earth my debt you'll pay well my daughter used to sing and I'd be outside the door listening and she'd say you came from heaven to earth my dad will pay and the point is that we all sometimes don't really get the words right, and we don't get the words right in our heart. And so when we go into this series today, I want you to think about the songs that we're singing at Christmas time. They're songs of a Savior. They're songs of a Messiah, a promised Messiah that's come from heaven to earth to show us the way. And I want you to get it right, and I want you to have a moment each week where we pull a line from each one of these classic carols and then focus on what is actually happening in the song. Today's song is O Come All Ye Faithful. Now, O Come All Ye Faithful was written by John Francis Wade. And it was published originally in 1760. And then there was an English translation that was done by Frederick Oakley in 1841. There's a line in the song that says, Oh, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant. Today's message, we're going to talk about what it means to be faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Now I want you to just take a moment and listen to this classic rendition under Connect's leadership, Oh, come all you faithful. Come, all ye faith. 
guides out and follow along in version as we continue our series, Songs of the Savior, our topic today, O Come All You Faithful. My name's Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, I was that guy making fun of Pastor Deej a few minutes ago. Um, it's just great to uh, just have such a, uh, a wonderful church. I want to say out of the gate this morning uh, how proud I am of all of you for serving yesterday. Our community, we made an incredible impact uh, through Ashland, and I just appreciate you guys all so much. And uh, if you get a chance, is Vicki Prince in the house? Where's Vic? Is she here? No, she's probably exhausted or working downstairs. But anyway, just if you see Vicki Prince, um, she's got a booming voice. Everybody knows Vicki. Uh, just make sure you say congrats. She was the organizer and kind of orchestrator of that whole event yesterday. So props to her. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Um, it's, it's just awesome to have such great singers in the house as well. Wasn't that awesome? Can you give them a big hand? What's interesting is uh, when you hear a song like that, you may think, um, you know, a song like that can be a little daunting because you might think at Christmas time or feel at Christmas time that, you know, life is anything but joyful and triumphant and you might not feel so faithful. And um, a lot of times people struggle you know, to feel that way. It's like the Pentecostal preacher used to say, you know, some people, uh, they're looking for somebody of faith and power, and you feel like a man of paste and flour. You know what I mean? Like, you don't feel so triumphant, you know, so victorious, so strong and, and powerful. And as I set this up, you might often feel anything but faithful. Uh, you know God has called you to something. You know God wants to do something through you. You know that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's more than, you know, you hear me say this all the time, sucking air and taking up space and abusing grace. It's got to be more than that. But yet something keeps sidetracking you and you keep falling into certain patterns and you're doubting yourself and it's diverting and discouraging and delaying sometimes the plan of God for your life. And you know it. You don't feel so faithful. Maybe you don't feel so joyful. Uh, that's probably very common during this particular season, a season when all the songs on the radio are like, have a holly jolly Christmas, you know, and you want to like punch the radio or kick it with your heel or run somebody off the road who's playing that at the top of the, you know, maximum capacity. And, and, you know, and you, and you know that you're probably overreacting. You're like, why am I so, such a joy killer? Why am I behaving this way? Why am I so, and it might be because you've been set up by circumstances, 
which we'll talk about in a little bit. Like your joy is, is connected or dependent upon your circumstances. And there's something going on inside that's affecting what's going on, on the outside. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's you maybe. That might be you. Turn to your second choice. Well, if it ain't him, it may be you. <laughs> you know, I, was, I, was, I don't like to do shopping. When I go shopping, stress on when. I, I think it's my attitude that, that, that makes these kind of things happen, but I'm the guy who goes shopping. My wife goes shopping. She has an anointing to shop. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, the Holy Ghost is with her when she shops, gets the deals and the parking spaces and, God, and everything she's talking about in the experience. God's there. I'm thinking, why would God be here? So, so I go, and, and I'm the guy that you can see two lines with the exact, exact same number of people. I can pick the line that is always longer. Come on, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about there. Is anybody like that? It ticks me off. I get in the line. So I'm in this line shopping. I'm in this line. And when you know it, a couple people in front of me, the lady pulls out a checkbook. She's going to pay with the check. Let me just say, this, this is just, we don't do that anymore. I'm like, did you know? We don't do that anymore. ATM card, credit card, you know. So anyway, the next person, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Oh, my gosh, and this line's going. I'm thinking about moving over, and then people are getting right in quick. You know what I mean? And, and, and the next person comes up, and it's the coupon lady. <laughs> I'm sorry it's all ladies, but this is my story, and they were all ladies. <laughs> it was the coupon lady, and she's pulling out rolls of coupons, and oh, and she's talking and interacting, and... I got a little bit of joy left. The bank account is getting low, 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 low. All right? So then I decide, okay, forget it. I'm, I move over to the other line. Oh, how many have moved over to the other line and you didn't work out so well? Anybody out there? I move over to the other line and the person in front of me, so help me, has a price check. And how many of you know there's nobody back there that's going to be doing any price check? Joy killers. These joy killers. Joy left real quick. Maybe you don't feel so triumphant. Triumphant. What does that mean? You know, it's, it's kind of like the word for victory. Uh, uh, a Christian word we might use around here is an overcomer. And you look, at your, you look at your situation. You look at your where you are in this phase of your life. And you're saying, I, I, I thought I would be further faster by now. I'm not where I, where I want to be. Uh, uh, maybe you're in your finances. You're saying things are just, you know, not so good. Maybe in your marriage, you're like, you know, at five years, I thought I'd be here. Or 10 years, I thought I'd be here. You might be looking and saying, by 25 years, I thought I'd be here. And, and you're frustrated, and you don't feel like there's victory. Maybe it's a negative behavior, a habit, you know, a, an attitude, a, a pattern of thinking, an addiction. And you feel discouraged and despondent and defeated. This song was written for you and for me to help us be triumphant, to help us find joy, to help us be faithful in this life. And, but the holidays, they have a way of not necessarily increasing the problems. They're actually probably at the same level, but they do have a way of accentuating them because we're very conscious, conscious of, the, of the desire and the, and the, and the want to have a, a happy holiday, to have a Merry Christmas, to have a, a joy-filled season and and, and all the Christmas cards are plastered with peace and joy and peace and joy and peace and, you know, and, 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 and people go to church and peace be with you and also with you. And, and then inside, there ain't no peace. There ain't no peace, right? And so you feel 
weary and burdened sometimes by not so much the activity and the pace of life, but the issues of what's going on inside in our lives. And, and sometimes they seem a little, more, a little worse than usual, and they make us doubt, they make us depressed, they sometimes make us defeated, and all at varying degrees and levels. And so this writer writes this song, Oh, come, all you faithful, which we don't feel like, joyful, which sometimes there's joy killers everywhere, and triumphant, and we don't feel like we're overcoming. But the truth is Jesus calls all of us who are not always faithful. Jesus calls all of us who are not always joy-filled. And Jesus calls all of us to be triumphant when we're not always triumphant. Who does Jesus call? You know who's a candidate for Jesus to call? Look in your notes. He calls people who are wearied and burdened. How many ever get a little wearied and burdened? Galatians 6 talks about this. It says, do, do not, you know, just get weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, everybody say proper time. There's a time. There's things that happen to bring that proper time into place, that kairos for you. But we, he calls the weary, he calls the burden. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me, all, come to me, Jesus, by the way, come to Jesus. All you are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. He also calls sinners. We all qualify. He calls sinners. On hearing in Matthew 9, he says, on hearing this, Jesus said, Jesus said, it's not healthy, the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. The sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire not mercy. Not sacrifice. I desire, excuse me, mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He could have, the song could have been written, Oh, come all ye sinners, all ye weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But the good news is Jesus, he doesn't call you from, you know, a certain place to leave you there. He loves you the way you are, but he loves you enough to never leave you there. Praise God. I mean, one of the mottos for life for me has always been, I, I want to be able to say, and often I can't, I'm not where I want to be, but praise God, I'm not where I used to be because of Jesus. Turn to somebody and say, because of Jesus. I'm different. I'm different. So he loves you the way you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you that way. That's a fill in the blank. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says basically that you are now in Christ a new creation. So you're not new because of what you do. You're new because of what he did. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old life is gone. A new life has come. But that new life is from the inside out, which we'll talk about today. And I want you to know something if you're here for the first time, if you're returning to church, if this whole thing's brand new, uh, just you're, you're, you're kind of just getting exposed to all of this. Uh, God is wanting you to know that you can become a new person. Whatever you've struggled with, whatever issues you've had, I really can't keep my promises. I always struggle to keep my word. I can't follow through on it. I have to feel anything but faithful, PD. Uh, if you're here and you, you struggle to really have joy, you, you thought it was all about happiness, but this whole thing about joy, what's that all about? Jesus came to make you new so you could be faithful. Jesus came to make you new so you could have joy that's not dependent on circumstances. Jesus came to help you overcome in this life. And overcomers come over some stuff. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And so there's some things that we need to come over. But, but what do we become through Christ Jesus? Let's talk about that. Jesus helps us become faithful. That's your first fill in the blank. If you struggle and stuff, hey, you got to know that when, I, when I'm trying to do something either new or overcome something that I'm struggling with uh, or, or kind of defeat an enemy in my life, get better at something, it's always better to have a person to look to, an example or a role model. Somebody that's a couple steps ahead of you in life. Do you know what I'm saying? So like if you want to have a strong marriage, 
This is, this is a statistical fact. This isn't just a biblical principle, but it's always good to hang around strong marriages. Divorce travels in pack, packs. Healthy marriages travel in packs. If you want to, in, in, in my case, you know, it, it maybe certain hobbies you have or whatever, certain athletics you have, you want to be a good basketball player, you want to learn how to dribble, and, you know, and you got to get your handles better. You got to get around somebody who's got good skills, good handles. You know what I'm saying? My son's getting excited over there. He's feeling the, the Holy Ghost. You know, you got to get around that. It helps in every area of your life to have someone who went before you and forged a path for us to walk. And I think sometimes this gets minimized, and we sometimes don't see the importance of this, and we see it as um, intellectual and just something that it's like, it's like we look at homework. We don't sometimes value the benefit of homework and how it's preparing us for the test. And so we have somebody who we can study so that we can pass the test, and that is Jesus. Jesus forged a path for us. He lived a perfect, sinless, power-filled, faithful life. Hebrews 4.15, it's not in your notes, but it just says that he was tempted in all points, tried, tested in all points just as we are, but he never sinned. He never crossed the line. He never made a mistake. He was continuously faithful, yet he was tempted and tried and tested just like we are. In Hebrews 12, it's in your notes. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Who do we fix our eyes on? Who, we, who do we study as we're trying to prepare the test? We study who? We study Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who, look, it says, for the what? For the joy. Everybody say, for the joy. So how did he do it? He did it because he, for the joy that was set before him. It wasn't even the joy that was in his life right now. This is interesting. Sometimes we're only happy because of what we're experiencing in the here and now, right here in front of me, how I feel, feelings. Come on, everybody. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to get one of those out a month, all right? Feelings. See, we're so driven and motivated and affected by our feelings, and feelings can come and go. But we need to be, have our eye on something that's a little bit further down the road. We're not looking sometimes. We're looking at the path. We're not looking at where it leads. And so Jesus was looking ahead at something, and that was pulling him out of the something that he was in right now. And so for the joy that was set before him, he endured a cross, scorning its shame, rejection of the people. But later on, he sat down. Praise God that Jesus sits down right now. Isn't it good to know that Jesus is sitting down right now? In other words, he's not worried about what's going on in this world right now. He's not worried about all the hap global happenings. I mean, he's pretty relaxed. He's not freaking out, paranoid on Percocet. He's okay. And he authors our faith and he perfects it. Look at this from the message. This is the same verse, Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Who do we keep our eyes on? Come on, everybody. Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we're in. Then it says, study how he did it. So we have to study how Jesus did it. We have to look at his life. Never minimize the homework of studying Jesus to be prepared for the test because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along, alongside God, whatever was coming at him. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Amen? Pinch yourself, say, this is good. 
So how are we to become more faithful? We have to study how Jesus did it. We have to go to him. It builds our faith. If, in other words, if Jesus can do it, we can do it. I, am all, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, all right? So if Jesus did it, I can do it. Or better yet, if Jesus says I can do it, then I can do it. It's even better. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith, and you know it comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. It builds your faith. I remember I was in the hospital last year about this time. And um, there was another uh, sister in the Lord in the hospital at the same time. I think my wife was going to talk to her. I don't remember. Or she was taking a phone call. And I was just kind of had a moment. I was frustrated and discouraged. Frustrated because some of the symptoms that were manifesting in my life at home went away when I was there. Have you ever noticed that? You're trying to get some help. And then all of a sudden, hey, everything's fine. No, it's not fine. Okay? I need, I need help. So that's kind of where I was at. And then I was also uh, just kind of like trying to just get, why am I here? What are you doing? What's going on? And, you know, I need to know that I'm going to, this is going to work out okay. And I pull up my phone, and you know how you have um, on version, you have your today's scripture. Everybody know what I'm talking about, today's scripture. This is the scripture that came up, Isaiah 43, 2. This isn't in your notes, it's bonus. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And, and, you know, something that happened when I read that, it was just like, it just sustained me. His word sustains me. Jesus, when he was tried, when he was tempted, when he was hungry, when he was in the wilderness, when he felt, you know, in that solitary, maybe uh, insulated place, he would return to the word and say, it is written, it is written, it is written. We need his word to sustain us because Christ ministers to me through his word. If we study it, we can get ministered to. Amen? So Jesus helps us become faithful. Number two, Jesus helps us become joyful. Everybody say joyful. This is an all-play Sunday, so we all need to get in there. There are, there are a lot of good reasons to be upset and depressed and discouraged today, aren't there? You can probably, if I said, write all, write, take a piece of paper out and write 100 things that you're thankful for uh, versus write 100 things that you're upset about, how many know which list would finish first? That should tell you something. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like when people don't realize they're negative. Sometimes I'll tell them, have you recorded yourself recently and listened? You don't realize the things that are coming out of your mouth and things that we're saying and things that we're believing and thinking. But there are a lot of financial pressures and there's, you know, the world is in chaos and, and, and there's, there's personal things, personal tragedies and, and sickness and disease and, and health issues and cancer and Man, I get it. It's awful. It's, it's a cursed world that we're living in. And then you top it all off with re- relational devastation and destruction and, and, and divorce and, and things like that, just to name a few. And it, in other words, it can feel harder to be happy than ever. And, but maybe that's the problem. Maybe it, 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 isn't that really what the, what the world, what culture are trying to communicate is it's all about being happy, maybe that's what the problem is. I submit to you that joy is the goal, not happiness. The pursuit of happiness, even though it was a great movie, it's not a good pursuit. It's the pursuit of joy that God wants for us. And he wants us to be different in the world, not of it, making a difference in it. Jesus modeled in a jacked up world how to have joy. That's tweetable, by the way. That sounded pretty cool. Jesus modeled in a jacked-up world how to have joy. Joy comes through a right relationship with 
God. And it produces, the relationship produces a fruit in, your, in, in my life and in your life, that relationship. It's not going to be accomplished through religion, through regimen. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, just because you spend time and you go behind a closed door and you do what you know, Matthew 6 tells you to do and you, kinda, you just have a, a, a special place to pray, you might be doing something wrong, but you're doing something right. You're, you're, you are getting away and you are spending time, and that's all good. But if it's religious or if it's a regimen, you might not be experiencing the, jo- the joy that God wants to bring to you through relationship. You're not interacting with him. You're just talking at him. You're just kind of doing time, maybe. And so joy comes through relationship, and it produces a fruit. And fruit comes, this is weird, I don't know how to say this, but fruit comes when we water the root. You water the root, you get good fruit. So the root is relationship, not religion. Fruit comes when we water the root. In other words, it's, 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 it's through him. Galatians 5 shows us, the byproduct, this is how you know, this is the litmus test that it's working, the relationship's working, Galatians 5.22. What does the fruit look like? Well, it looks like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Everybody say joy. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If that fruit is not manifest in your life, it's not go back and say, i got to fix this, i got to fix that, i got to fix that. That's regimen, that's religion, that's religion, religion. No, it's got to go back to relationship. What does that look like? What does that translate? It, fall in love with Jesus. Don't figure out all the things. This is what my mind does. When things aren't right with Stacy and me, this is my natural response. What, what's the problem? How do I fix it out here? But what she wants me to do is fix it right here. I need to know that I'm important to you. That I'm, this is what she wants to know. I want, she needs to know I'm, I'm special. That out of the, whatever, three billion women, I am not number two. You know, it doesn't work well at the Fry household. So it's not about what I do. If we're in a counseling situation, and we have been in a counseling situation, if it makes anybody feel better, that's why I'm for counseling. We're sitting down. My brain, I can hear the counselor saying to me, you're trying to fix it by doing all this stuff on the outside. I'm, she just needs to know she's first. So do you understand what I'm saying about relationship? I'm just trying to get you to see, stop all the doing. The doing is a, is a byproduct of the done that everything's good, we're in right standing, we're good. Our intimacy, when you want to kill sin, where intimacy lives, sin dies. Where sin lives, intimacy dies. Stop trying to focus on the behavior and start trying to focus on the intimacy and love for God. Amen? That'll help you a ton. All right? But Jesus arrived to change everything. Luke 2, 10 through 11. But the angel of the Lord said to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great what? Come on, say it like you have some. Great what? Yeah. That will be for all the people. So he came into the world to bring it for everyone. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He came to bring joy, but we often don't grasp or understand what joy is. My wife was talking about this last week, and didn't she do a great job last week, by the way? Give it up. She did awesome. But she was talking about the, 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 the stinking thinking. Right? Everybody remember that a little bit? We all think. We all think wrong things. We, we think things like, well, it's easy for you to have joy, Pastor. I mean, you know, because you got this and because you have that and because you didn't have to go through this and because you didn't have to go through that. And someone always has someone's sickness. You know what I mean? 
I, the commercial when I was growing up, I want to be like Mike, Michael Jordan. Everybody, they just pr- pr- promoted this idea that you'll be better if you're like someone else. God made you who you are. God puts you in this time, in this place for a purpose. You are special. You are unique. You are unique. You were created, you know, different than everybody else for a reason and for a purpose. And to excuse yourself from being able to have joy because somebody has something you don't have is really a form of sin or pride. It's never what's happening to us. It's what's happening, what? In us. Amen? So just to bring things into perspective, though, sometimes we look at, we look at Jesus and say, well, that's easy for, you know, for Jesus to have joy. That's easy for you to have joy. Just, let, me, let me tell you a story about somebody who had a bad day, all right? This was taken from a Florida newspaper. This is an actual story that I got from a Florida newspaper. Listen to this. If you think you've had a bad day, okay, check this out, all right? True story. A man was working on his motorcycle on his patio. And, his, uh, and on his engine, on the motorcycle. And somehow the motorcycle slipped into gear. The man, still holding the handlebars, was dragged through the glass patio door and along with the motorcycle, dumped onto the floor inside the house. So he's hanging on, spills out in the, in the, in the kitchen. The wife, hearing the crash, ran into the dining room and found her husband laying on the floor, cut and bleeding. The motorcycle lay next to him and the patio door shattered. The wife ran to the phone and summoned an ambulance. Because they lived on a fairly large hill, the wife went down several flights of long steps to the street to to direct the paramedics to her husband. After the ambulance arrived and transported the husband to the hospital, the wife uprighted the motorcycle and pushed it outside. Seeing that the gas had spilled on the floor, the wife obtained some paper towels, blotted up the gasoline, and then threw the towels in the toilet. Stand by. The husband was treated at the hospital and later was released to come home. After arriving home, he looked at the shattered patio door and the damage done to his motorcycle, and he became despondent. He went into the bathroom, sat on the toilet, and smoked a cigarette. Hang on. After finishing the cigarette, he flipped it between his legs into the toilet bowl while he was still seated. The wife who was in the kitchen heard a loud explosion and her husband screaming. She ran into the bathroom and found her husband laying on the floor. His trousers had been blown away, and he was suffering burns on his buttocks, his back, his legs, and his groin. Listen to this. The wife again ran to the phone and called for an ambulance. The same ambulance crew was dispatched, and the wife met them at the street. The paramedics loaded the husband on the stretcher and began carrying him to the street. While they were going down the stairs to the street, accompanied by the wife, one of the paramedics asked the wife how the husband had burned himself. She told them, and the paramedics started laughing so hard that one of them tipped the stretcher over and dumped the husband out. He fell down the remaining stairs and broke his arm. Now that, how many know that, that is a really bad day. I think of that Daniel Porter song, you had a bad day. I mean, that's a bad, that's a really, 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 really bad day. So you probably haven't had that bad a day anytime soon. So perspective is everything, isn't it? Right? Unbelievable. So, so what we don't realize, though, is Jesus had a worse, worse day. Not maybe as funny as that, but Jesus had a worse day. His worst day, he came into the world, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was pretty rough. But later on, you know, he grew up, and, and, and Jesus' worst day, we call Good Friday. It was good for us. It was bad for Jesus, right? And, and, and look at what he went through. And you know, and I won't take you through the whole, 
tormenting experience. You've heard it before. If you've seen The Passion of Christ, if you've read your Bible more than once, you've seen what happened there. And he lived through that bad day. And how, how do you and how do I live through that bad day? You say, well, that's Jesus, you know. And somehow we have a way of dismissing because we don't understand the, the, the reality of it. We don't understand sometimes the, the theology of it, that he, God, he was, he was God in the flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among men, John chapter 1. He was God incarnate, okay. So he suffered just, just like a man. But sometimes we just, I'll just give you that. Let's just say that, you know, he, he, you know, he endured the cross, I get it, and the joy set before him, but he, but he is Jesus. Come on, come on, Pastor D, he was Jesus. How did Jesus do that? Well, let's talk about another person then. This is kind of bonus material, but let's talk about the Apostle Paul who went through trials and still had joy. The Philippians, the scripture, Philippians, uh, was, was a whole thing about this, having joy in difficult circumstances. And here's the problem, this is in your notes. Happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Jesus. Happenings depends on happenings. Happiness depends on happiness. How things are going for you. In other words, we're not guaranteed from Scripture that things will go well all the time. But joy depends on Jesus, our relationship with him, our perspective from him, our focus ahead of things. Again, but we think, well, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. Well, here's Paul. I think Paul's an incredible example of somebody who had joy in, in the world. And he's, he writes this letter to the, to the church of Philippi. It's an epistle. Some people think that, that's a, that you know, an epistle married an apostle. That's not really what that is. An epistle is a letter, okay? All right, just make sure everybody's all clear on that. And uh, what you need to know is that while he's writing this, this letter, he's, he's writing it, um, you know, while he's in prison, a Roman prison. Horrible, horrible prison. We could talk about that a lot, but we won't. What you may not know, he was called to preach. He wanted to uh, do crusades there. He wanted to minister to the masses. He felt called to do that. And before he even gets a word out of his mouth to begin to preach, to be able to do anything, to be able to accomplish anything, he is... He is arrested, imprisoned, and scheduled for execution. <laughs> but God called me. I knew that God wanted to do something through me. I knew that there was a plan for my life. And this is what happens. That's a bad, that's a bad day. And what is more amazing is that in that place, emotionally, spiritually, physically, he writes this epistle to you and to me. And you would think that he'd be like, the, the, the letter would be like, why is this happening? Isn't that, we always, isn't that what we always say, those of us who are happiness-driven? Why is this happening to me instead of what is happening in me, right? He, he didn't say, how did I miss God or, or what's up with that or help me out or what's going on here? No, he didn't say any of that. I would have been so discouraged, but not Paul. Think about it. He was chained. You may not realize this. You can look in later in the whole chapter, but he was chained to a Roman soldier, chained every day for two years. I, as much as I love my wife, if we were chained together for two years, we'd kill each other, Okay. <laughs> You, just, you, just that alone, never mind the dungy, dirty, you know, uh, prison that he was in. But what would you say from there? Look at what he said. This is Philippians 1. I don't know if they got this for you, but Philippians 1, 3 through 6. It's, this is what Paul says. I thank my God every time I remember. This is the letter he's writing everybody in these circumstances. I thank God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And he goes on. It's an incredible story of just looking at, just seeing how he is not circumstantially driven. He is not striving and looking for happiness. In fact, later on he says in Philippians 4.11, for I have learned, everybody say I've learned. See, you can learn this. You can learn this. 
Don't minimize the homework in preparation for the test. You can learn this. Who do you learn it from? You learn it from Jesus. Who can you learn it from? People like Paul. To be content in whatever the circumstances are. You're going into the Christmas holidays, and somebody needed to hear this this morning. Somebody did. Here's what we can learn from Jesus and Paul. They had something way beyond happiness. I want to learn what that is. I want a little bit more joy in my life. If you don't realize how bad, you know, you think you got it real bad. Somebody else had it worse. Paul had it bad, okay? Paul had it bad. Paul had some really bad days. He was shipwrecked. I'm just thinking about that shipwreck floating out there in the dark. Don't know what's underneath you. I mean, come on, just think about that for a second. Then he finally gets to shore. He's crawling up on the shore after being shipwrecked all this time. Makes a fire and gets bit by a snake. I mean, come on. This is a guy who got whipped five times the same number of, you know, lashes that Jesus received. This is a guy who was stoned. You're saying, well, at least he got some relief. No, I don't mean that kind of stone for some of you, depending on your background. I mean, they threw rocks at him. Okay? He still, through all of that, and then the weight of the churches, he still had joy. He still had joy. Put this in your notes. This is bonus. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Regardless of what is happening outside, when you have joy, you can't mess with this. You can't mess with this. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4. Are you guys getting something out of this? Because I'm having fun this morning. Okay. 2 Corinthians 4 says, therefore, we do not lose heart. This is what Paul said, okay? This is the guy who went through all that stuff that I just mentioned. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Day by day by day by day. Just kidding. There's a song there. In other words, he's writing this, and he was probably just healing from his last whipping. He was probably just barely pulling the fangs of the snake out of his hand, and he's writing this. He says, "For our look at what he says, for our light and momentary troubles to him that's what they were my, i mean could, that we're saying a human being not jesus even though we can minimize the incarnation and the word becoming flesh which is wrong i'm just saying i'll give you that but a human is saying this our light and momentary troubles to him they were all that stuff just bugs on the windshield to me are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all something through this is doing something in me that is achieving something for God that's going further, faster. So we fix our eyes. This is his focus. This is where his joy came from. Jesus said, for the joy that was set before him, Paul's saying, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Wow, this is incredible. Here's another distinguishing feature. Um, this isn't in your notes, but happiness is based on chance, but joy is based on choice. Happiness, hap. Hap, that word hap in the Latin is luck. Luck, hap. Happiness, lucky chance. In other words, some people are thinking happiness is based on luck. You just grew up on the right side of the tracks. You just grew up in the perfect family. You just grew up in the perfect time and season. You just grew up with, you know, the, the just the, the whatever, the, the, the candy in your mouth. Everything was just perfect for you. All the, all the presents were under your tree. It's better for you. And you get a better deck of cards than me. You're more fortunate. You're more lucky. That's why you're happy. Where God's word teaches us joy is based on a choice. And the Bible challenges us to choose life. The most spiritual muscle you and I have as Christians, listen to me, is choice. Choice. It's a muscle 
that can get weaker or stronger depending on who you are focused on and what you are focused on. If you study how Jesus did it, you're going to get stronger. I studied guys at the gym, you know, 20 years ago. I got stronger. I didn't study the skinny guy. When you lift his shirt up, he looks like a human x-ray. I studied the guy who had some muscle on his bones. And I got stronger because I studied how he did it. Read all those dumb magazines, you know, learning the things, you know, whatever. You understand what I'm saying? If it works in the natural for something as small and unimportant as that, would it not work in the bigger things in our life that change our character, that make us faithful, joyful, and triumphant? Would it not work there? Especially if we're studying not just an athlete, but we're studying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the guy who came from heaven to earth to show us the way and paid my debt. That dad paid my debt. Amen? It's good stuff. Circumstances is what gets us all in trouble. Circum, it's the circle. You're inside the circle, you know? What's in your circle, your circumstances? It's based, it's based on those things. It gets you all messed up. This is the circle I've chosen to live in. That's what people are saying when they're living in circumstances. Recently, I asked the guy, I said, how are you doing? He said, well, under the, good under the circumstances. I said, what are you doing under there? <laughs> That's what you need to say to people who say that. Why are you under them? Why are you inside them? Why are you in that circle or under that circle? We, do you understand, Christians, what I'm saying to you this morning? We're called to be above the circumstances. We're not called to live inside the circumstances, under the circumstances. we got to get out from underneath that. Deuteronomy 30 says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. This is what he set before all of us. Blesses, blessing and cursing. Now choose, choose, choose. Everybody say, choose life. There's a bonus scripture from Philippians 2.5, taken from the New American Standard Bible. Philippians 2.5 says, have this attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Have it. Have it. Have at it. In other words, you can have it. You can choose to have it. You can have a different attitude. It is a choice, and it is a muscle, and I'm encouraging us to use that muscle. Here's my last point because I'm, I'm getting, uh, I've got to get, get, get winded up here. Jesus helps us become more triumphant. Triumphant. Triumphant overcomer, living victoriously in this life. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the context of this particular Old Testament prophecy, which was written 700 years before the birth of Christ, in a time much like our own when people needed, they needed light, they needed hope, they needed to know that they could, they could really survive this messed up, cursed world, and they, it couldn't be found with conventional wisdom or modern resources because it wasn't, it wasn't supplying those things. It wasn't satisfying those things. And the scripture says, for unto us a child is born. Incredible that this was 700 years before it happened. One of the reasons I, I, I'm a follower of Christianity and one of the things that separates it from all the other religions of the world is because of prophecy. Fulfilled prophecy, over 500 fulfilled prophecies in the scriptures, if you do the study on it. This is just one of many. For unto us, this is spoken 700 years before, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He'll carry the weight. He'll, he'll, he'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Everybody say Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's where we get our peace. There will be no end. He, reign, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Another thing that I remember is the scripture says, Jesus came into this world for this purpose. Jesus came into this world for this purpose. The Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. That's why he came. So when you go, when you have opposition of all different, when you have circumstantial opposition, Jesus helps you become triumphant. That's why he came. 
That's why he's here. A story that I, I was just trying to ask God for an illustration, but I remember this is many, many years ago. I had a very close friend. His name was Buzz. You've heard me talk about him. Some of you that have been here for a while before. Uh, Buzz was big. He was a big, big man. He's probably uh, very influential in my life in, in high school and some of those formative stages when you're kind of picking your role models. He was valedictorian of our class. He was a great athlete. He was a very humble um, just just influencer, great, you know, he's captain of the football team, and, and he, he would work out with me. And Buzz had a neck that was like 20 inches. I mean, it was just this, he had no neck, really. It was just this humongous neck, and he did this neck machine all the time. He had this massive, he was just a massive, massive human being. And I wasn't. I was very small. And I remember we going to the movies one time, and Buzz was kind of, we were going, you know how you have to cross over people to get to your seat, whatever? Well, I could just kind of walk right through the lane, you know, no problem, because I was real little. Buzz come through and like, oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And he's like bump, bumping everybody. Well, he bumped some guy in the back of the head. This guy didn't like that. So this guy turns around, and he starts looking at me like I did it. So he's like, you know, he's going and looking at me, and I'm looking at him like, you know, kind of scared, actually, and a little, like, yikes, you know what I mean? Like, it, it could be go time at any moment. I want to watch the movie, and. I just bought a big thing of popcorn to get some weight on me, and, and, and he's looking at me funny, and so uh, he just keeps looking, keeps staring, and all of a sudden, Buzz sits down, and Buzz sees what's going on, and he stands up, and he goes right over and goes, what's up, what's up, man, you all right? You all right? <laughs> the guy, I, I'm not kidding, the guy practically, he, I, I'm not positive it was either a Coke or he peed on the floor right there. <laughs> guy like, and as soon as that happened, I'm like, yeah, 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 you want some of this? Well, you want some of this? You want some of this? Come on, man. You want some of this? I'm like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Eat your popcorn. Shut up. <laughs> the point is, I was stronger because Buzz was there. Do you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes I think you forget that you got backup. I think sometimes you don't realize that there is somebody backing you up when you're messed up, when your back's up against the wall. You think it's just you and your enemy. And you just feel like this little skinny, emaciated, hoping for a little bit of popcorn in a movie, make it through the day kind of thing. But you don't realize Buzz is there. And he can just go and say a brief little word to your circumstances and your storm will stop just like that. He'll leave your enemy peeing in his pants. You understand what I'm saying? Come on, stand up. Let's stand to your feet. Let's pray. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 32, it says, The sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. The Bible says nothing is too hard for you. He can handle all your problems. He can handle all your situations this Christmas season. I don't care what's going on in your life. He can make you faithful because you serve a faithful God. And if you study how you did it, you watch how he did it, you can become faithful. You got to do your homework, Christian. Sir, man, boy, or girl, get ready. Just keep doing your homework. Study how Jesus did it. Watch how he handles certain situations, and you'll be able to handle situations better. He came to make you joyful. He showed you and modeled how to have joy in all your circumstances. Over your circumstances, not under your circumstances, not inside the circle of circumstances, but above and, and outside of those circumstances. The joy was a choice, not a chance. The joy is not about happenings. It's it's, it's about Jesus and depends on Jesus. Can I have an amen out there? And he wants you to be triumphant in this life. And, and I think sometimes we do not realize, and I think sometimes we do not rely on what we realize. 
We realize Jesus is there, and I know he's up there, but he's up there sitting down. You can get him off your seat if you call upon the name of the Lord. And he'll, you invite him into your circumstances. The Bible says when our heart doesn't condemn us, we have boldness before God. And he hears the petitions that we ask. And so I'm encouraging you this Christmas holiday season to begin to ask God to make you faithful. And, and, and show me the things that I need to do to become more faithful. God, show me the things that I'm, not, that I'm speaking out of my mouth, the ways that I'm cursing my circumstances, the way that I'm living inside the circle in my circumstances. Teach me what it means to have joy and not happiness. And God, I pray that whatever's going on in my life, that I don't just turn to this or turn to that to solve the problem. I turn to you because you're a big, you're, you're not a silent partner. You're a major partner in my life. And I can't do it without you. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you? Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, every person in this room just giving God a minute. I thank you so much, God, for every person that's here. We don't want to do church without you. We don't want to go through life without you. We don't want to, as the scripture says, lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. I thank you, God, that when we acknowledge you in our heart, you make even our crooked ways straight. All the things that sidetrack and sideline us and, and keep us separated from you, Lord God, you came to bring us together. You came to, to, to break down the wall of hostility, the dividing wall of hostility of sin that separates us from God. And you want us to be one again in relationship again. And Father, at the end of the day, this all comes down to relationship. Not religion, not a regiment, not something I can do, but faith in what has already been done. 2,000 years ago, you came into this world a baby. Not to scare us, but an innocent baby to save us. And then you grew up and you lived a life that we could follow and that we could model after. And then you died to fulfill justice, to pay for sin, because sin requires a payment. But you didn't stay there. You overcame death and the grave, so that in this life we also could be overcomers in this life. God, that full gospel that's been made possible because of Jesus. Lord, I pray for any person here today that needs to call upon the name of the Lord and accepts that by faith, they can be saved today. And I pray that right now, as you're knocking on different people's hearts, Lord, you prepare the way for them to live a life that is different, to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. If you know God is talking to you right now and you've never confessed Jesus as your Savior, the one who can save you. You can't be saved until you realize you're drowning without him. You can't be saved until you realize that my happiness is not going to be found in something else. I don't need any more happiness because it's not enough. It's circumstantial, and it comes and goes, and it changes like the wind. I want the joy that comes with Jesus. I want the faithfulness that comes with Jesus. I want to know how to overcome because Jesus overcame, and I want to know Jesus personally today. If that's you, good and high, bold, because the enemy's bold, would you raise your hand and say, I need Jesus today, and I don't want to leave without it. God bless you, sister, at the back. Thank God bless you, brother, at the back. Is there anybody, God bless you all the way at the back, brother. Is there anybody else that says, I can't go today until I know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just pray, church, with me? And those that raise your hand, this is so important that you pray this from your heart. I promise not to lead you in anything that is outside of God's Word. This is good for you. This is good news. Just, just, and, and church, you may need a refresher. You know, you're saved, but you need to be refreshed in your salvation. You're being sanctified even by praying to say, Jesus, I invite you today into my heart afresh anew. Make me new. Make me newer 
brand new because of what you did 2,000 years ago. I apprehend the promises of God. I accept them. I entreat them into my life. Help me to be faithful because you are faithful. You are the perfecter of my faith. Help me to walk in joy and not happiness. That joy depends on Jesus and I depend on you. Help me to be triumphant. In this cursed and messed up world, I place my faith, my hope, and my trust in you. I transfer it all to you today. Save me in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Father, I pray that you seal that prayer on every person's heart and every person's life. I thank you that those that called upon the name of the Lord with a sincere heart are saved and their name is written in the Lamb's book of life and the angels rejoice and your church rejoices with you right now. Come on, everybody. Let's rejoice. Give the Lord a big hand clap all over the house.